Hi, everyone. My name is Jonathan Fries, and you are listening to season seven of What the Flock. This season, our goal is to carefully approach some very serious and often polarizing topics. The issues we're going to focus on have and continue to cause so much damage, people seem unable to civilly discuss these topics. The episodes in this season will give you the tools you need to facilitate your ability to talk about these topics in a beneficial manner. I'm joined by my co-host, Joel Swakowski. How you doing, Joel? I'm well. How are you, Jonathan? I'm great, man. Excited to keep going on season seven here. Yes, sir. Now, the seriousness of these issues often results in people not hearing both sides before judging the issue. With that said, we encourage you to be careful sharing anything from these episodes with other people without first encouraging them to hear the entire episode for themselves. Also, in addition to listening to the entire episode for yourself, we highly recommend listening to any previous episodes that are referenced during this episode. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Thank you, Jonathan. Now, these are all topics that have been debated at length. The reason they have and continue to be debated is because traditional style debates do not work. What these debates often do is they pit two sides against each other. Each side is concerned with only trying to prove their own point, often becoming overly emotional about the topic, even triggering. Instead of trying to learn something new and find out how they could be wrong when it comes to these topics, people seem to want to root themselves deeper into what they already believe. Yeah. Thanks, Joel. You know, we saw with the previous six seasons that each issue has two perspectives that distract people from the ultimate answer. We call those the strict side and the loose side of the argument. And when we say distract people, we, we mean it's just they flip-flop from one side to the other. They don't actually get to any answer. They keep you away from getting to an answer that actually helps you make progress. So if yeah. you can have a side to be against, then you can always feel like you're on mm. the right side. Nice. Yeah, that's great clarification. So we want to get to the ultimate answer, which neither of these sides have, and that's what we've been doing in What the Flock. So Joel, can you give us a reminder of the strict and the loose sides? Yes. The strict side invites and even initiates conflicts on the topics we've been covering in season seven. This side tends to be a bully, using intimidation as a tactic to control people. They hold people to strict standards in which they rationalize away any need they would have to hold themselves to that same standard. These people become hypocrites like the Pharisees when they are confronted and they respond by justifying why they can hold others to a higher standard than they hold themselves. You're like, hey, it's my job. I'm the pastor. Mm -hmm. I'm the authority. Mm -hmm. The loose side avoids conflict and tension as much as possible. The standards they hold themselves to are based on how they and others feel, leaving them with no objective measure for what the moral answer is. This side tends to be an enabler, 
How are they enabling? Well, they enable by removing any feeling of discomfort that can be brought on by confrontation. Now, these people show that they don't actually care for other people when they avoid confronting people who are in pain for their own benefit. Yeah, that's interesting. One of the things I'm seeing with that loose perspective is that those people would say that they're the most caring because they're not being abusive or being bullies like someone on the strict side, but both right. are abusing, both are they would, causing damage. Yeah, they would mask that with, uh, they're being nice, they're being friendly, they're being kind. They're, they even, in, in the most deceptive is when they would equate what they're doing with they're being loving. Nice. But it is, again, it's that measuring by what, by how they feel and how others feel. Great. Thank you, Joel. So we have either bullying tendencies or enabling tendencies. These are both sides, the strict side and the loose side. Now, in this season, the number one technique that we're going to use is to repeat back to the opposing side what they believe to their satisfaction before making my point. It is the only way to have a profitable interaction because it causes people to listen to the other side once they know they've been heard. Debating would actually be a benefit if seeking to understand was the guiding principle that the debating mediators followed. So we're going to focus on understanding each side first. So what's the topic we're going to discuss today, Joel? The topic today is what is woman? What is woman? Yes. Awesome. What is the strict side of the topic? The strict side can simply be summarized by a woman is the female of the human species, which is proven by her sex organs. Excellent. So allow me to repeat that perspective back to you. And hopefully you listener are doing the same with Joel. What you're saying is a woman is a female of the human species, which is denoted. I'll change a word. Nice. Is shown, is measured by her sexual body parts. Do I understand you? Yeah, I feel heard. Thank you, Jonathan. I appreciate it. You got it, man. What is the loose side of the topic? The loose side? If you feel you are a woman, you're a woman. All right. Let me repeat that back to you to your satisfaction. If you feel it, you are it. If you feel like a woman, you are a woman. That's great. Yeah. And I, I appreciate I feel I feel heard. That's that one's Pretty simple. We have a, a great simple summary for that one as well. So thanks. Excellent. So here we're at. We're, let me summarize the, the damage here. So with the strict side, they're going to say that a woman is a female of the human species, which is proven by the sexual organs that she possesses. And then the loose side is if you feel you are a woman, then you're a woman. Right. Great. So how would you argue for the strict side? 
If I was arguing for the strict side, I would say, well, a woman is a helper to the man meant to submit to him. You can see that right in Genesis 2.18, where it says, I will make a helpmeet for him. And in Ephesians 5.22, that says, wives, submit yourself to your husbands as unto the Lord. That'd be the strict side. That That's what I would do to argue for this side. If I was to argue against the loose side, again, from the perspective of being on the strict side, I could do this if-then statement. Well, if you change your gender after you were born, then you are opposing God. And then I would also ask this question against the loose side. I would say, do your feelings define who you are? Okay. Now, how would you argue for the loose side? For the loose side, I would say, Jonathan, we're all unique and God forms us all differently from everybody else. I may even reference Romans chapter 12, verses four through six, and even encourage you to listen to the motivational spiritual gifts episode from season four, episode 13 of What the Fuck. Now, also from the perspective of the loose side against the strict side, I would ask these following questions. Is being a woman only limited to the physical? If not, then wouldn't feeling like a woman be important? And then finally, if everyone with female sex organs is a woman, what about young girls? Again, what we're doing there is you're implying that there is a contrast between girls and women while they do share the same physical sex organs. So those would be the questions I would ask if I was on the loose side arguing against the strict side. Excellent. Now that that's all been established, let's talk about the ultimate answer. What is the ultimate answer, Joel? Yeah, ultimate answer. Again, the point of this season is not to give you specifically what the right answer is behind any of these issues or topics we're, we're discussing. Although we do help you with that, the main point of this season is to help you discuss these topics civilly so that you and the other person discussing them can walk away after the conversation, having learned something, having been edified, and not having torn each other down. So the ultimate answer for the What is Woman episode, well, big picture, our answer is leadership, grace, and love with an emphasis on Paul's approach as shared in the season seven supplementary episode. There's a few things we need to know going into any discussion of these polarizing issues. We need to know whether we're talking to a believer or an unbeliever. That's going to change how we approach this topic. We need to know whether or not we're talking to someone who is strong in the faith or weak in the faith. Again, we may have to make adjustments depending on the answer to that. Now, we don't want to cause a believer to stumble, and we want to reach an unbeliever for God. So the leadership aspect would be me 
seeking to understand the other person's perspective. That would be me being a leader to them. With this topic of what is woman, we could start with making sure we understand each other's definitions of the keywords we're using, whether that's human, man, woman, gender, sex, etc. As it relates to the grace and love part of the ultimate answer, ultimately when interacting with either side, I ought to take direction from God via grace in order to love them. And it is grace and love that are the key to avoiding enabling or judging the other person, all with the hopes of winning them, winning them as a brother in edifying them or winning them as an unbeliever, hopefully towards Christ. So I would highly recommend listening to the grace and love episodes, season two, episode 13 and season one, episode 15, respectively. Also. We have recorded and published the What is Man episode. I would also consider listening to that. They work well together, although this episode definitely will stand on its own. So when it comes to this specific topic of what is woman, I'd like to offer a perspective you may not have thought of. First, we need to recognize that the term man applies to all humans. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So we have this great statement, he created man in his own image. And then there's a commentary after it. Male and female, he created them. So that word man applies to both male and female. Second, the word man actually comes from Sanskrit, manu. And it means to think. So humans are supposed to think, intentionally think, not zone out and avoid these tough discussions. Third, God is more concerned with the spiritual and qualitative aspects of his creation, less about the physical. In our mind and soul, that intangible spiritual being that he created within us, we are genderless. It is our physical bodies, which includes our brain, that determines our sex or gender. While we're all familiar with one aspect of our physical differences, the sex organs, and we're all familiar with the attempts to modify those, depending on how a person feels or what they believe, There is another aspect to our physical differences that we really need to deep dive into. That's our brain. Now, first, a little bit of foundational info about the brain, especially a part called the nucleus basalis. It is the part of the brain that determines whether or not we are focused. You can see the nucleus basalis as the doorway to the conscious brain. Simply put, if it's opened, I'm focused. If it's closed, I'm not. Now, a female tends to be able to have up to five thoughts at the same time in a healthy manner. A male tends to only be able to have one thought at a time in a healthy manner. Females are able to do this because their nucleus basalis moves so quickly that even though they are physically only having one thought at a time, their focus moves faster than they can distinguish, and it appears they are thinking of more than one thing at a time. 
This is what truly distinguishes females from males. Five thoughts versus one thought. Go ahead and put your hands up. Left hand, put five fingers in the air. Right hand, put one finger in the air. Look to your left hand. Five thoughts, female. Look to your right hand. One thought, male. That's literally what Jonathan and I do when we're teaching the difference between a female and a male. In a classroom setting, we will put our hands up and say, this is the difference between a female and a male. Five versus one. Nice. Now, since this is the what is woman episode, let's take a deeper look at to what is woman. Because what we're going to see here is we know what distinguishes females from males is five thoughts versus one thought. There's a little bit of a deeper differentiation between what distinguishes women from men. A woman is a female who is focused on creating from the causes she's given. A girl is a female who creates from her own cause, causes she gives herself. Because every cause a girl gives herself feels like the right cause to create from. Every time a female gets in trouble, she's creating from a cause she's given herself. Now, we've defined masculinity in the What is Man episode. What about femininity? The definition of femininity is the ability to nurture others. To nurture others means to provide necessities for life. And we know life is the ability to repair. A woman is able to intentionally create profitable effects from any cause. The ultimate provision would be for a woman to provide others with the necessities to repair. Now notice nurturing, also seen as providing nourishment, is often thought of as only something that provides physical nutrition. You even get that nutrition and nurturing from the same root word. That is often just seen as food. However, our spiritual, mental, and emotional aspects ought to be nourished, nurtured as well. Physical nourishment is a hurdle. We eat enough to keep us alive. Eating more can actually cause physical death sooner. Spiritual, mental, and emotional nourishment are drivers. The more, the better. The more we repair these aspects, the healthier we become. Femininity is the ultimate effect of being a woman. A woman ought to provide necessities for repair to other people. Now, to date, women were God's most complex and excellent creation because they are the last one. Each of God's creation is more complex than the former. As it relates to Adam and Eve, well, God made man out of the dust of the ground. God made woman from a better raw material. In Genesis 2.22, we see that Eve or woman was made out of a part of Adam, a better raw material than dust on the ground. We also know that women have the ability to create life in a way that men do not. So women are the source of profitability. Women are excellent in and of themselves. So let's check out some scriptures that will support this and help us flush this out even further, maybe even teach us a little bit more. And we're going to start with one that is often misunderstood. 
Genesis 2.18 says, And Jehovah God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. Often translated as a helper for a man. And often applied in a way where the woman is meant to serve the man. Now, if we look at these verses and actually dig into the the meaning of these words, as we were taught to do in season six, help in this case meant from a superior. Meet meant perfect. Now, if you look at Psalm 60, verse 11, it'll help us flush out specifically why we know the word help in the case of Genesis 2.18 meant from a superior. Because Psalm 60, verse 11 says, give us help against the adversary, for vain is the help of man. Those two words, help, come from a different original Hebrew word. The first one, give us help against the adversary, came from a Hebrew word, which meant help from a superior. The second help, for vain is the help of man, was a different Hebrew word, which meant help from an inferior. So Genesis 2.18 used the same Hebrew word for help as the one that means help from a superior. This meant that God created women to be a perfect and superior help to males. So that's what help means. When God made a help meet for Adam, he made a perfect and superior help to males. Nice. More from Genesis chapter 2, verses 23 through 24. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Cleave in this verse is from the Hebrew word, which meant to impinge, to cling, or adhere. However, let's look at another passage that uses this same Hebrew word. Deuteronomy 10.20 says, Thou shalt fear Jehovah thy God. Him shalt thou serve, and to him shalt thou cleave, and by his name shalt thou swear. So when it comes to humans cleaving to God, which one do you believe is the superior, human or God? Yes, you're right. God, he's the superior. So we are to cleave unto God as a man is to cleave unto his wife. Notice that verse also said, serve God. Man is meant to serve his wife. This makes it pretty clear that the woman is more excellent, greater than the man, as God is definitely more excellent, greater than us. The man and the woman do not cleave to each other. The man ought to cleave to the woman. Now let's take a look at that word submit. We saw that one side of the argument said women are supposed to submit. I'd recommend listening to season one, episode 12, the women in leadership episode. We discussed this as well. But the issue is people usually use the word submit when they actually mean subject. Hmm. 
Subject means to bring like a person or a country under one's control or jurisdiction, typically by using force. However, submit means accept or yield to a superior force or to the authority or will of another person. Notice, a lesser person has no choice to subject. It's, it's done by force. A greater person can successfully oppose subjection. However, a greater has to choose to submit, which implies women are greater than men. Notice that. So this can be a little bit confusing for people because submit means to yield to a superior force. But what that means is for me or for a, let's say, a woman to choose to yield to a superior force actually implies she is more superior because she makes that willful choice to submit. And then let's look at Proverbs 31 for some final biblical support. I encourage you to look through the entire chapter for yourself, but here are some highlights. It's a great chapter that describes a virtuous woman. Verse 13 says she willingly works with her hands. Verses 15 and 16 teach us that this woman rises while it's yet night, provides food for her household, for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. Verse 20 says that she extends her hand to the poor and she reaches out her hands to the needy. Verse 23 her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. And verse 24 talks about her making linen garments and selling them and supplies sashes for the merchants. This virtuous woman is a businesswoman. Mm -hmm. This set of verses show that she is profitable enough to not only provide for the family, but to bring honor to the family. Her husband being known in the gates means that he can do his role with excellence because he doesn't have to get involved in her role. The husband is sitting with the elders. The wife is providing. Who's more excellent? <laughs> <laughs> now, what doesn't this list of a virtuous woman cover? It doesn't cover working by the sweat of one's brow. It doesn't cover fighting. It doesn't cover going to war or risking her life or handling confrontation and crises. It doesn't cover protection. The job description of a woman involves planning. It involves the long-term aspects of life, nurturing. For instance, the business aspects of Proverbs 31 are done at her discretion, not according to a rigid daily schedule of, quote, office hours, unquote. Proverbs 31 involves the most profitable aspects of life. Women are actually the providers. Do you get that? Men are protectors. Women are providers. Men were made to handle crises, conflict, physical exertion, short-term aspects. Men were made to put out fires at a moment's notice. Woman is the last current creation. 
So she is the most excellent thing God created until he creates again. And there are three more creations, the new heaven, the new earth, and the new Jerusalem, which is the bride or the ultimate woman. Woo! That is quite the teaching. Thank you, Joel. So I want to take a step back here and remind us that ultimately when interacting with either side, the person ought to lead the other person by taking direction from God via grace in order to love them. Grace and love are the key to avoiding enabling or judging the other person with the hopes of winning them. Believer, unbeliever. We want to focus on hearing every single person. So what I want to do now, Joel, is I want to repeat back to you the ultimate answer. Great. So here's what I've learned from this lesson. We learned the difference between a woman and a female. We learned the difference between a woman and a girl. So a woman is a female who is able to create profitable effects from any cause that she's given. Now, what I like about that is that it doesn't mean that she always does that, but she's able to do that. Nice. Yeah. A girl is a female who is giving herself causes. So that means she's creating from the causes that she wants, that she thinks of. She's the source of the causes. She's the source of effects. So she is uh, essentially always in control or she's not creating at all. Right. Femininity is the ultimate effect of being a woman. And that definition is the ability to nurture others. And I really like that because we learned, you know, men are nourishing and and cherishing. Yeah. Women are nurturing others. So what that looks like is a woman who is providing the necessities for repair to other people. So it's not just physical repair in this Proverbs 31 woman. She's doing a lot of things, but she's providing a mental, emotional, spiritual repair. She's providing the necessities for those things to happen. Right. Now, none of these, uh, uh, none of these attributes require a certain set of sexual organs. All of these attributes are based on a person's mind slash soul working through a specific thought process. So what does this thought process look like? What have we learned? We've learned that A female tends to be able to have up to five thoughts at the same time in a healthy manner, which gives her this amazing ability to create and become profitable. A male tends to only be able to have one thought at a time in a healthy fashion. So that is truly what distinguishes females from males, five thoughts versus one thought. So most simply put, we can see that men are the protectors and we can see that women are the providers. Does that, how is that Joel? 
That's wonderful. Yeah, I feel heard. What a great summary of I said a lot of things and I feel like you nailed the you nailed the points of the principles behind everything I said. So yes, definitely to my satisfaction. I feel heard. Thank you. Well, excellent. Thank you, Joel. This is a, an amazing teaching. I think it's going to bring a lot of healing to people. I think so too. Well, this has been What the Flock. If you'd like a deeper study of this topic and how to deal with people who either bully or enable related to this topic, listen to the Music of Life Church companion episode. Thanks for listening, everybody. And remember, if you've been hurt by church, you're not alone. We're here for you.